We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Upon Further Review and Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Ryan Roberts. Brian is still en route from New York back to South Bend. Uh, So Ryan and I are going to take this ship and we're going to steer it home for everybody. But uh, I'm still wearing my white sweatshirt, my white hoodie from yesterday because it was a good win was a win that I actually enjoyed watching. It was a replay that I actually enjoyed watching with my eyes, with my ears. That's another story. But with my eyes, I did enjoy that replay very, very much. I need to really learn how to watch with the mute button on, uh, but I did not do that. I, I watched it again with the announcers, but uh, it, it was a good review. I mean, I would say what I thought was was good was still good, and what I thought was suspect was still suspect on this one. So, Going back and watching the film only kind of solidified my opinions of the game itself that we talked about during the post game. But we'll break it down and we'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. We may even talk a little special teams because why not? Um, and Ryan, I hope you had a safe trip uh, headed back from Syracuse back home to uh, New Jersey, right? And uh, I know you were watching the or at least listening to the post game show while you were driving back. Yeah, man. No, it was uh, it was a weird one, Vince. I told Brian before we left before we left the game that this was one of the first upon further review. I mean, um, post game shows where I was very upset that I wasn't on the post game show. You know, I was like, finally, Notre Dame has a great uh, a great showing. You know, and then yeah. obviously there was some stuff that needs to be improved upon on both sides of the football. But I mean, you go on the road, beat the number sixteen team in the country. That's going to kick off a important two game stretch in a final season push for Notre Dame to kind of get, you know, things turned around and on a positive track. I, I thought you guys did a great job, but can't lie, man. I was excited to get to this one tonight because I, I had yeah. so much to say last night, but, uh, you know, driving back from Syracuse was a little bit of a, you know, tough, tough uh, to get on a podcast in those circumstances. It is, but it was funny because you kept texting us, you know, retorts to things that we were talking about, which was hilarious. So that's why I knew you were in, man. Like you were, you were into what we were talking about, which was awesome. So this is going to be your first opportunity to talk about this game and your reflections on the game. And obviously we're going to jump into the X's and O's as well, but why don't we start there, Ryan? This is your opportunity to kind of talk about the game as a whole, 
you know, what you thought about it since you weren't on the post game show. So let's get your thoughts. And you were there in person, which yep. I know you obviously haven't been able to get to many games in person this year. And it's a different animal when you're watching this thing live from a press box view and you're seeing the all 22 and, and, and things like that live, as opposed to when you're watching it on TV, especially last night, last night was a whole other, I shouldn't say last night, yesterday afternoon was a whole different animal as far as what they were showing us on TV. It was poor, man. Like it was very, very poor. There was a lot of places where there should have been reviews and there weren't as far as just replays, not, not reviews on the field, but like replays of what actually happened, uh, telling us what penalties actually took place. Like I had no idea on a couple of them. So you were in person, you saw this thing. What are your thoughts? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I mean, to keep it, you know, just kind of overarching or from a macro perspective, right? I mean, I think that it's a, it's really cool to be in person because you see, I, I think the main thing takeaway that you get is, aside from just a different perspective, is you get kind of the, interactions on the sideline and general pulse and kind of the vibe throughout the stadium. Like you get all those things, right? And I I know that Sean and you all talked about this a little bit yesterday, but this was really, I don't want to say the first game that this happened, but this was a game where I thought Marcus Freeman took a huge step as a coach. Like I really did. I felt like he had a lot of moments. I know Sean cited some of the moments yesterday during the post game show where I really feel like, in a few other games, he was just kind of, you know, let things slide a little bit, just kind of stay in his zone. And in this game, I really thought that he was reprimanding players, coaches, and really putting his stamp on the program. And I know some people will say, you know, that's, uh, you know, seven games too late or whatever they would kind of <laughs> want to term, term it with. But I mean, again, he's a 36 year old head coach for the first time. And I think that he's, I think he's learning and I think that he's ascending and I think he's developing as a, as an all, as a, I just say from a coaching perspective to being the CEO, right? Like it's a much different animal from calling yeah. a defense and getting, you know, setting a defensive game plan and practice schedules to being the guy that's overseeing everything and in charge of everything. And when bad things happen, your butt's on the line. When good things happen, you get all the praise. And that's a, that's a tough job, man. It's not an yeah. easy job, especially at the university of Notre Dame. So that was the first thing for me that was huge. And I mean, the second thing was, I feel like, against a good team that is Syracuse, right? There would be at points this year and just in years past where with all the penalties for Notre Dame, with all the bad calls that you thought kind of were just ridiculous, like that touchdown they called for Syracuse in the left corner of the end zone that the kids clearly stepped out of bounds before the, the he had right. possession of the football. And there were just so many blunders like that from a from a 
from a re- refereeing perspective. And some games, I feel like that would have costed them a football game, right? Yeah, like they would have, yeah. that would have been the difference between winning and losing. But Notre Dame put themselves in a position where even though there was bad officiating, even though there was bad calls, they were still on the right side of all the momentum. And I think that was huge for them. And I mean, offensively, I think that Notre Dame bullied Syracuse all day, oh, yes. for being honest, right? I mean, running yes. game perspective, offensive line perspective. <clears throat> Running backs getting downhill, it was really nice to see. I mean, Syracuse had no, they had no rebuttal and no counter <laughs> counter to what Notre Dame was doing from a physicality perspective, which was awesome. You know, there are things that obviously need to get improved upon. There, no question. You know, I feel like in the second half, you saw play calling got a little more questionable. Quarterback yes. play all day was very underwhelming defensively. I thought first half was fantastic. I minus, yep. you know, a couple bad plays. Sec- second half, you know, I think that they got a lot more conservative, which hurt yep. them a ton at points, yep. but at, at the end of the day, they made a couple big plays when they needed to make big plays to kill momentum as well. So, a really nice showing on the road Vince, a lot to improve mm-hmm. upon, but a lot of Great, good takeaways for this type of game. And Notre Dame came to play and, and you know, battled a top 20 team in the country till the end and got a big victory. Yeah. And, and that last part I think is important to note is that Notre Dame defeated a, per, you know, a, a top 25 team, right? They've faced now four ranked top 25 teams and they now have beaten three of the four of them. And the scary part is, They've lost three other games and two of them have been to non-ranked teams. And it is, it's disappointing in a lot of ways. Obviously it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of a situation with this team. I mean, I, I wish every team that they played was the 16th ranked team in the country because apparently Notre Dame does pretty well against that. They're two and oh against 16th ranked teams. And uh, I don't think, I don't think Clemson's going to fall that far. Uh, you know, considering they were on a bye this past week. But, uh, you know, they're going to have another opportunity to make a statement on Saturday. The problem is it's at home. But we'll we'll get to that part starting tomorrow. We're <laughs> talking about the win today. So let's jump right into it. Let's go offense first, uh, just because I don't know why not. Uh, I The offense, I thought, and I kind of mentioned this in the postgame show, if I was going to take the position groups and, okay, did this group play well? Check. Did this group play well? Check. I felt like every group played well except quarterback. And I and I and I thought that the offensive line took another step. I really do. There and I was mentioning to you I was mentioning this to you before we started. Especially in the first half, I just thought the offensive line absolutely took it to Syracuse's front seven. And I'm sure that you guys brought this up during the week. When I see, as an offensive guy, when I see that a team is running a three front, you know, with a nose tackle and, you know, but three down linemen, essentially, you can walk anybody up you want. But if you're running yeah. a three front, I salivate when it comes to calling <laughs> run plays. And when I've got an offensive line like Notre Dame has, bring it on, man. If you're not going to cover up my guards and you're going to let them roam free and get to the second level and all of these different things, like, yes, please. That is what I want. And Notre Dame took advantage of it. I mean, they absolutely took advantage of that opportunity that Syracuse gave them. And especially on top of that, and I know we kind of had a fun back and forth about the, their undersized nose tackle and him chirping and all that. And I defended him. But after watching <laughs> yeah. the game, man, like he made a couple plays here and there. 
but he got his butt dominated all day, pretty much all night long. And when you yep. dominate the point of attack like that, it's over. Like, I mean, it's game over. And there were times when the offensive line was pushing the front of Syracuse three and four yards down the field. There was a second and four, I want to say, in the first half. They literally moved Syracuse past the first down marker and they ran the ball, obviously, and obviously had no problem getting the first down because they moved the entire front for a first down. I mean, that is how dominant Notre Dame was in this game. And you can say, hey, you know, they're undersized. They weren't very good. You know, all of that. From a statistical standpoint, Syracuse has a good defense. I mean, and it's, Notre Dame they were like, they they were letting up less than three yards of carry on the season heading yeah. into the game. Again, there's context, right? Of course. They played a lot of great rushing teams. No, you know, Clemson obviously had a nice performance against them, but otherwise they have been really doing a great job, obviously, from a run-stopping perspective. But, I mean, Vince, this is this is the matchup that Notre Dame needed to win, though, and they did, right? Like, that's the big one. You've seen the offensive line consistently get better and better each week. You know, like I thought that mm-hmm. Josh Lugg had one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Yeah. I thought that Zeke Corral had another really good game. And across all, all the offensive line, I thought the offensive line just as a unit played really aggressively and really physically, yeah. which when you think of Harry stands, that's what you think of, man. Just like a, a downhill, dirty approach to playing offensive line. And, I mean, on a, for a, a defensive perspective, across the board, you're 5'11", 266 pounds, you're 6'4", 268, and then you're 6'5", 219, or 225, whatever he's listed at, Steve Linton. So they were a small defensive front. Notre Dame has mm-hmm. a big offensive front, and you know that they've been be- playing better and better each game. And to their credit, they dominated a matchup that they needed to dominate, and they yes. they did it. They did it with an exclamation point, man! Like that was a no contest. Who won that? That's that particular matchup. Notre Dame's Absolutely. offensive line came to play yesterday at Syracuse, and and an extension to that from a blocking standpoint, I do want to bring that up because I thought that the tight end group, as well as the wide receivers. From a blocking standpoint, I thought they did a pretty darn good job as well. And, and I can tell you this from a coaching perspective and from a playing perspective, and I granted that was back in the Stone Age, but blocking and blocking well is contagious. And when you are literally blocking these guys and just taking the life away from them, which is what happened most of the day yesterday, it's contagious and everybody wants to get involved. And they, you know, there were times where you know, they were in 12 personnel, but they also brought the two wide receivers and attached them to the line. And those guys were blocking well attached. Now, I also want to say, because there's a bit of a Twitter fight out there between Sean Styers and some other people, that just because you bring a wide receiver in and you attach him to the line of scrimmage does not make him a tight end. He's still a wide receiver. <laughs> He just happens to be attached to the line of scrimmage. I just want to throw that Uh-oh. out. There. Oh, because some people were people were calling Jane Thomas a tight end on on the on the TV or something, and right? They were or, defending yeah. that that they were defending that call that he's a tight end. In no yeah. world is he a tight end. He is a wide receiver. No. And he's six two, two hundred fifteen pounds. Like, what right. are we doing? Right? He's yeah. not a wide. He's not a tight end. And there was and and the play that I'm referring to when they were in twelve and they brought both line uh, wide receivers in. You had Lorenzo Styles on one side and Jaden Thomas on the other. Yep. They're both wide receivers. <laughs> Just saying. But anyway, uh, I thought that, that uh, Tobias Merriweather blocked extremely well in space uh, in this mm-hmm. game. And if you're trying to earn the trust of the coaching staff, block your ass off. 
And yeah. I thought that the wide receivers did a pretty darn good job of that last night. Yesterday. Yeah, no, they did. I, I thought, I mean, honestly, Vince, like, mm-hmm. again, we're, we're going to talk about the, the elephant in the room, which is the quarterback position at some point in this, right? Of course, but yes. By and large, love to hear your opinion on this. I mean, because I know you're talking just from a blocking perspective, but I thought the wide receivers just played well. Just their best general, game of the year. man. It's their best game of the year. I mean, no, I mean, I will say about, they, yeah. they were helped out by the fact that Syracuse wasn't really pressing a whole lot. They were they were playing sure. back. It felt like, and Notre Dame yeah. does a good job when they're not being pressed. That's true. That's true. I, I don't know why Syracuse did that. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's, so me and Brian talked about that all week, okay. Vince. Because I mean, on film, that's what they do, right? Like they're an off man. They're an off man. They're really quick twitch. Okay. They come up type of type of de- uh, defense in, in the back in the back four. And I was I posed the question like, is this the week where you change it up a little bit and you become a more of a press man team sure. than an off man team? And to your point, I didn't really see much press at all from the from <laughs> the day. You know, like they were just off man chilling with doing what they do and. I guess it's like one of those things that you're going to keep doing what you do well, right? But I mean, it, I it, guess. It obviously, it obviously did not work. But I mean, shout out to Deion Colsey, Vince. In a in a week, absolutely, he got all the confidence from uh, Tommy Reese apparently to uh, finally get the plagues of playing time. But he played really well, man. I mean, what do you have? Did he have three targets and three receptions? One was obviously. You know, they they hit him on two comebacks. One was in a third down in the later mm-hmm. stages of the game. That was a huge catch. They hit him on the, the little over route off of the bootleg action. So, I mean, really nice job by Dion. And that's that's what they need, right? Like I thought Tobias was open for some opportunities. You saw Dion make an impact. You saw more of the six four skyscrapers, which I think was a great sign for this wide yeah. receiver room. Absolutely. I, I thought the the personnel packages that Tommy Reese put out were very good. I, I did enjoy those. I thought they're, the, the way that they're putting certain guys together, I think Merriweather, Colsey, and Jaden Thomas were on the field at the same time at one point. Like, yes, give me more of that, right? And I, I, I did enjoy that. I, I thought that – I will say this. I was not anticipating that that was ever going to happen, if I'm being honest. I didn't think that that was ever going to happen. Braden Lindsay obviously did not get a lot of offensive snaps. I don't know why that is. He played a lot of special teams. Maybe we'll figure that out during the press conference tomorrow and then moving yeah. forward on Thursday. But I don't believe he was injured. Maybe I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one thing about Brain. Yeah. I'm interested to see what the the backstory is to that whole decision not to play him at wide receiver. Like, I don't know if that was, you know, self-inflicted. I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know what the what the issue was at all there. But I'll give Braden one credit in the fact that he played pretty well in special teams. He I mean, did. he made a big spot and he, he didn't pout, you know, like some guys yeah. would just pout and just kind of turn it off and shut it down. But Braden for the role he was asked to play during Syracuse played well. So Absolutely. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but he was, he was a valuable member of that special teams unit and a big reason. With that, I mean, a part of the reason why they won, obviously. No doubt. No doubt. I agree with that completely. And sometimes you just have to own your role. And if that is his role, at least in this game, he owned it and he didn't pout and he went out there and he did his job. It's a nice tackle. It's a nice open field tackle on that return. So, you know, I give him a lot of credit and obviously we don't see the day to day, but I will say that Braden Lindsay's get, he, when he was playing wide receiver, he was getting open. Right. And so is he blocking? Is he, you know, is he doing a lot of little things? I couldn't tell you in practice what that looks like. Right. But from a route running standpoint, I thought he was doing a good job. 
Marcus Freeman did mention that they do have a tall package now in the in the press conference after the game. Awesome. That's great. Obviously, Braden Lindsay isn't that guy, but that's not what they were running the entire time. So I'm sure that there's a reason right. he didn't play. Uh, but the guys that did play, I thought that they played well. I thought that their routes were crisp. I thought that their blocking was really good. Hopefully, this is a step in the right direction for the wide receivers. I will say that. Yeah. I It's not that I've been upset with them, but from an effort standpoint, up to this point, it hasn't been great. But I thought the effort yeah. was there as well. And, and blocking's effort, right? Yes. Well, Vince, you know, uh, you know what I love about the chat here is that everyone started after the uh, the scan stuff, right? They started the hashtag <laughs> ban the scan. I right. feel like there's some magic we can do here with the tall package becomes the all package, right? Like I want to see them more. <laughs> like I do, man. I do. I, know, I mean, right? Look, it's we've talked a lot about Lorenzo Styles and maybe the mental block he's working through and and whatever he's he's working with, right? But. You didn't see him featured in this football game. You didn't see Brain Lindsay, but it was nice to see a couple of the younger guys, some of the taller and more athletic players, if we're being mm-hmm. honest, right? Get opportunities because sure. Dion did his thing. It, I would argue that if if Drew had thrown the football twice or earlier in the rep uh, to Tobias Merriweather, he may have had two long catches and maybe two yeah. touchdowns. Like very possible, right? So a lot of good to take out of out of there, and then. I mean, Jaden Thomas did an excellent job blocking. I know you talked about that already. You know, the, yeah. yeah, obviously had the touchdown catch during the football game as well to win through contact. And, uh, you know, again, we've always talked about him. Jaden Thomas up to this point, I feel like it's just been misused in this offense. Agreed. I feel like Absolutely. there's there is a role for Jaden Thomas. It's not a vertical yak guy. Like, that's not right. him, right? But as a strong physical receiver that can d- be a little physical after the catch, but more than anything – find space, use his strong hands, like that type of guy. That's what Jane Thomas can do. And I, I think sure. that in his lone reception, you saw that. He can have an impact on the game even without a high volume. So, I, I again, I, I'll check it down the line and say, wide receivers, big step forward for what the opportunities that were presented for themselves. We need now to get the other side of the coin a little better so that they have more opportunities. But I think that the sure. wide receivers played a lot better than what they had over the last few weeks. Absolutely agree with that. And uh, I do, well, we'll talk about this when we get to the quarterbacks, but uh, let's move on to the running backs real quick. I absolutely love the fact that they started the Mr. Fumble, right? I, I think that that was really, really important to Audric and his, uh, the mental side of the game, right? I think it was really, really important. And I mentioned this in the post game show as well. In the last regime, he might not have seen the field again for the rest of the year. I mean, he, he may not have been. The, the doghouse for the last head coach was real, and it was extended. Uh, and if you don't believe me, go see Kyron Williams and his first year with the team. And He fumbles in the first game, and he never saw the field again for the rest of the year, right? So I was very happy to see that not only did he play and play extensively, but he started the game. And he rewarded the coaching staff by playing a heck of a game in this one. Now we all know that when you are a running back, you are dependent on the guys in front of you and they had a great game. And so I think all the running backs played well. I thought they did a good job in blitz pickup, et cetera. But when they had the ball in their hands and they were running the ball, I was very, very impressed. I thought they did a really good job. It it, it made me so happy Vince. Cause I know you guys talked about this on the show yesterday, but it was something that me and Brian had talked about. Actually, me and Sean talked about it on Friday, and I know you guys, uh, I think you and Sean had also talked about it on the Saturday show, the fact that 
to your point, there is probably a, a large portion of no, recent Notre Dame history where Audrey Gestime is not a featured guy anymore, and he's just kind of thrown yeah. to the wayside. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of people, not only in this chat, but you know, just Notre Dame fans in general on Twitter were just kind of like, up, oh, you, you can't play Audric anymore. You just can't play yeah. him. And I'm just like, I understand. Look, I get, fumbling I get is it. unacceptable. Yep. Three fumbles in four games is unacceptable. It is. Yep. There's no it doubt. Is. But at the end of the day, this is a kid that's playing his first real year of football at Notre Dame because he played very sparingly offensively last year. I know he played some special teams, but I think he carried the ball seven times and it all came in one football game last year, right? So, like, this is his first extensive playing time at Notre Dame. And kids made mistakes. He Mm -hmm. has. But also, when he's played well, he has been their most effective back, in my opinion. Like, he's been that guy. And it, I think it was huge for not only, you know, just Tommy Reese, the offense, but Marcus Freeman all the way down to say, right. hey, we're not giving up on this kid. This kid is a vital part of our present, of our future, and he needs to know that we trust him. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, again, I would imagine no, you know, just knowing the little that I do know about Audrey Gestime and everything that we've heard about him, he's a hardworking kid. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. sure he was in the lab this week. Working that ball security extra after practice, during practice, doing everything he needs to do to be a better football player. And he came out and he responded, man. And, yeah. you know, again, I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff, Tommy Reese, for this instance, right? You came out in the, I think it was 22 personnel because they had estimated fullback on the first couple yeah. plays of the game and they gave him fullback dives. And I, I, I really loved it, man. The fact that he got the first two touches of the football game tells me they were trying to get that confidence back in him. And they were telling him, hey, you're still our guy. We're still here, right? And he right. ends up with 20 carries, 123 yards. You know, him and Logan Diggs each had 20 attempts in his football game, and he was the most productive back again. So huge, huge um, shout-out to the coaching staff on that. Staying confident in him. Yeah. Sitting him last week at the end of the game because, like, hey, you can't do that. Right and now, you still know you're our guy, and Audric responded and had his best game in one of the biggest moments of the season so far. Absolutely agree with that. And he reward, like I said, he rewarded the coaching staff, got 20 carries in that game. Logan Diggs had 20 carries in that game, and they both just ran really well. I mean, Logan Diggs, he had 20 carries for like 85 yards, I want to say. So he's averaging over four yards a carry. Audric ad- averaged over six yards a carry. I'd like to see Chris Tyree get the ball a little bit more, but there's only so many handoffs to go around. Obviously he had eight carries for 23 yards, but he was, he only caught the ball one time. He was only targeted one time. I mean that if we're talking about a game plan situation, I I still think that the running backs need to be more involved in the pass game and they're not, I mean, they literally one target for a running back, one catch for 10 yards. Right. And uh, that is still an issue. And I think that there were opportunities in this game to get the ball down to the running backs, which is a good transition, if I do say so myself, to talk about that third and five play where they ended up throwing the seam to Matt Salerno. We can talk about it. Yep. My issue isn't necessarily with Matt Salerno being in the game. Would I have put him in the game? No, I would not have put him in the game. My issue is that you're running four verticals on that play when you need five yards and they actually showed it on TV. They went to the all 22 and you could see, and and the point that McElroy was making he's the color guy was that you need to check down there. I agree with him a hundred percent. 
That is what you need. So if you're going to run four verts, the idea of running four verts when it's third and five is not to throw to one of the four verts. It's to throw underneath because they're in man-to-man as Ryan. It's a clear out. It's a clear, you're clearing everybody out so that you can throw underneath and get those five yards. You're not running four verts on third and five to throw down deep to the field. So that's a mental mistake by Drew Pine, in my opinion. And he, it worked to a, I mean, it was wide open if he threw it to the back. I mean, he had one guy to beat and that guy was 15 yards off of him at the time he would have caught the ball. I like any running back that Notre Dame would have had in space against a corner or an outside linebacker or anybody else in space. And they guarantee would have gotten the first down, maybe a ton more. So that was definitely a mistake by Drew Pine. I will say that Tommy Reese called that to clear it out and throw it underneath Mm -hmm. and that it Mm -hmm. just wasn't executed that way. So I, I will, I will be positive and I will, I will say that Tommy Reese had the right call. At first, I was like, why are you running four verts on third and five? Like, I was like, what are you doing? But then it dawned on me, he's clearing everything out and, for the other and, and if And if and if it was four verts designed to actually attack vertically, I would hope that that wouldn't be the wide receiver group that right. he would want in there, right? Like, all due respect Absolutely. to the Matt Salernos of the world. But I, I, if you're running the true four vert look, I would hope – that Tobias or Dion would be in there and there would be a, a little bit of a, the, the tall lineup, right. whatever the heck you were wanted to call them. Right. Like that would be more designated for that. But yes, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that completely. And Matt, look, Matt Salerno could be a great decoy. You know, if, if you're just trying to run people off, if you're trying to do some different thing, get him in the game. You, right. You're guaranteed he's going to line up correctly. He's going to run the routes hard as hell. That's great. That can be a role for Matt Salerno. I'm totally fine with that. You're not throwing vertical hit to him down the seam on third and five. No, not a good decision. Okay. Uh, But so that's that play. That play annoyed me for many reasons, but then I realized, you know, I came back and I was like, okay, put your coaching hat on. Why does this play get called? And it was just a a non-execution situation. So let's talk about Drew Pine. Let's talk about, uh, (laughs) you know, the quarterback play in general. Yep. You know, he's still in that Valley, right? We talked about Mm -hmm. the peaks. We talked about the valleys. And we talked about the fact that Drew Pine, the real, you know, will the real Drew Pine please stand up? He is like in the middle somewhere. Like that is where I think we can get him to be in the middle somewhere. He wasn't in the middle yesterday. He was, he was still in the Valley a little bit. I thought Brian made a good point during the post game show. And I, as I was rewatching the game today, it was, it, it is majorly a mechanical issue. He is rushing throws. Uh, there was the, even, even on the play, the 37 yarder to Michael Mayer, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was basically a go route, essentially more of a cornerish go route type of deal. He was in the slot ends up on the sideline. Right. Yep. And Drew Pine steps up into the, he makes a nice move to get away from the rush steps up in the pocket. But even when he threw the ball, he kind of stepped back as he threw the ball. And that is going to automatically make your throw short because you're not stepping through. And I think he was a little bit afraid he was going to run into the offensive lineman in front of him, but that's a mechanics issue, right? Yep. The pass that he one hopped, he's rushing his throws. Like he he had the the pockets that this offensive line have created for Drew Pine have been, I mean, he could set up a folding chair and just like chill out most of the time. And 
he does a good job. He's not escaping. He's not doing the Ian book that just made me stay up late at night at times in bed where he would just bail out of a clean pocket. He's not doing that, which is great, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he's not getting his feet where they need to be. He's not stepping into a lot of his throws and that's why they're either skipping in or they're floating high. And so they've got to go back to the lab and just clean up some of those mechanic issues. And I think Drew Pine will be just fine. I really do. Yeah. I don't think he's a very anticipatory thrower right now, Vince. Like I, th- I feel like everything's late, you know, yeah. at this point. And to your point, when you're late, you have to rush mechanics. Like that's what kind yeah. of stuff happens. Like I, I you talk about the mayor play. I think about the it was third down in the first half when he it was just like an inside breaking route to Jane Thomas, and he threw the ball into the ground. And Jane almost made a terrific catch coming back yeah. for the football and scooping it, but. It's just like Drew. You had a clean pocket, and that's an easy throw. Like it was just, a, it was not a tight window. It was an inside breaking route. Like there's really no excuse for that one. And I mean, it was like a seven yard route. It wasn't like he threw the ball. You know, it's not like a right. 15, 20 yard in breaking route. Like it's a seven yard. I'm pretty sure it was just an in route, if I remember correctly, or a slant. It was something that was just in, in breaking and and it was open. I mean, it was it was not, wide open. It, it, it was, was wide not open. a situation where you're trying to squeeze it in or anything. Right. Just just play catch. Just play catch. You know? Yeah, man. I had a nickel He's... for every time I said that from the dugout. Just play catch, man. Come on. You know? I, I just I just think that there needs to be a level of comfort that needs to be hit here. Because, again, I just don't think the anticipation is great. I do think that when Drew is on time and in rhythm, I think he's a pretty accurate kid. I do. I agree. I think, I think when he rushes his process, that messes everything up. I mean, the last three games, and I think Brian was the one that made this note, He's had a 50% completion percentage or worse in each of the last three games. And that's not true, man. It's not like there's going to be some times where Drew is going to struggle. Like sometimes his yard per completion isn't going to be great. Sometimes his yard per attempt is going to be great because he's not a, he's not a cannon for an arm, right? Like he's not going to push the ball down the field, but he's also not an inaccurate kid, right? Like this isn't Brandon Winbush. It's not, it's it's really not. And it's right right now. I think that everything is just, he's a tick late and he's rushing his whole process. And I think that's affecting his mechanics. I think it's affecting his accuracy. And I think it's affecting his confidence because I have been fully on this boat, Vince, right? There is absolutely a talent issue at the quarterback position in Notre Dame. It needs to get better. Sure, Um, We'll never shy away from that. But Drew Pine is not playing up to to his level that he can play. He's not. Is he ever going to be the guy? I don't think so. But I do think that he's a much better player than what he has shown the last three games. This is something where, you know, you coming off of a big win, coming back into this week of practice, now leading up to Clemson, extra work after practice, getting more comfortable during practice, throwing to his receivers. You just need to become a little bit more anticipatory, man. If he is able to do that, I think he will play to a good enough level where you can beat just about anybody left on the schedule. But if you're not going to play better football than what you've played the last three games, that's going to hinder you, and that might prevent you from winning a couple football games that you might have a chance to win. Like, that's the point blank to it. Drew needs to play better. Drew can play better. Right. He did not play well in this football game. He played poor, poorly in this football game. You know, underthrown balls. He floated a couple, had an interception on a ball they just should not have tried to make. Oh, you know, down the seam to Michael Mayer. Like, there was just a lot of bad out of Drew. He, at the end of the day, they got the victory. He was a part of the victory. All that sure. good stuff. But there's no doubt that Drew Pine needs to play better football. Like I don't think anybody would argue against that. Well, and I'll also say that going into arguably the biggest game of the season, you could say Ohio State was, but the biggest home game of the season. Let's go that. Let's go that route. That's not close. Uh, 
I think the rest of the team has upped their game to this point. Like if, if we were just looking at this game, moving into the next game, I think offensively and defensively, I think all levels are playing to a, to a degree where they can compete with Clemson. I'm not saying they're going to beat Clemson. I'm saying they can compete with Clemson. I don't think that there is a position group that we're talking about that is going to bring them back and not allow them to win if everybody's playing the way that they can play, except quarterback at the moment. If he raises his game and he just plays how he did against BYU, it will allow everyone else to play at a higher level, and then they are going to be able to compete against Clemson. That is how I feel after re-watching that game. He needs to just get up to where everybody else is. Just just get up to where they are, and you can compete now. No question. No question. And I also will say this. I don't think you need to simplify the playbook right now. No. These are throws Drew Pine can make. The, yeah, the, they're, they're the, not asking it like they're not, it's not like every play is a vertical stretch and he has to right. you know push the ball down the field. Like Tommy's not calling things that are out of his comfort zone to your point, right? right? Like it's exactly. not like he's doing things that are overly difficult for his talent level. Like he can right. get it done. Absolutely. And, you know, yes, in the first couple of games, there were short passes and things that allowed him to get into a rhythm and all of that. And I want all of that, but I think all of that is actually there. He just wasn't executing those plays it just wasn't yeah. the, the, some of the plays that he missed short hopped or overthrew th- those are balls that he can throw we've seen him do it it's just he needs to execute those throws and yep. if he does this team's going to be dangerous this team is going mm-hmm. to be dangerous so o- overall offensively like i said i think they check the boxes of all the position groups except for quarterback quarterback needs to be better I thought that there were aspects of the game plan or of the play calling that I wasn't a huge fan of. And we kind of talked about some of it, but at the same time, they weren't out of the realm of what Drew Pine and the offense can do. And if that's the case, then so be it. Like I'm fine with that. And you can't just run the ball, you know, 20 times every drive. I get that. You do have to do some play action. You got to throw the ball. You've got to, you know, even though I'm yelling at the TV to throw the or run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about where this offense can go because I do still mm-hmm. have faith that Drew Pine can, I, like I said, find that median. If he finds that median, this team is going to be just fine offensively. And, and this is one thing too, Vince. It's I I was I mean I was in the press box. Just you know I can't I can't root for the team in the press box, <laughs> but like in my mind I'm just like run the football run the football like this is the game where you could just bully them and take advantage like this is the game but to your point you can't be that one note one dimensional offense against Clemson you can't do that right because you're not going to be able to run the football at that high of a level against a Clemson team can you still run the ball effectively enough I believe you can and we'll talk about that more this week but you're not going to run you're not going to bully ball them like you did like you could do against Syracuse there's got to be some well, not some. There has to be a balanced, more balanced attack because if you are one-dimensional against a defense and a front seven that yeah. Clemson has, Absolutely. it's going to be a long day. So you yes. need to find some streak of consistency, some streak of well-roundedness. And I think that you coined it perfectly yesterday with the fact that you don't need Drew Pine to be 
North Carolina Drew Pine because every right. single game because that's unrealistic. It's yeah, unrealistic. Absolutely. But you also need him to be better than what he's been the last three games, right? Like there needs to be something in the middle that is consistent for Drew Pine. He's not there at the moment. Can he get there? Let's hope. And they're going to need him to get there is more is the important part of this conversation. Right. Yep. And and there's a lot of questions in the chat about is it time to go to Steve Angeli and all of these different things. The answer is no. It is not time to go to Steve Angeli. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, he's a true freshman. The one thing that Drew Pine has over Steve Angeli is that he knows the entire playbook. Okay? If you bring in Steve Angeli, your playbook goes like this. And that playbook is not going to beat USC, and it's not going to beat Clemson. It's just not. So you you do need somebody that has a handle on what you want to do offensively. And I'm not ready. Drew hasn't played bad enough that you're like, got to go to the backup like that. Who was originally the third string quarterback. Like that's not where it's not where I'm at right now. And I, it would have to be a massive. It would have to be a massive, massive problem. If Drew Pine is not hurt for me to go to Steve Angeli, if I'm on this coaching staff, what say you Ryan? This is where I am. You've now had three straight games of bad quarterback play. Like, I mean, let's just call it, right? Absolutely. It's been bad for three straight weeks. If it continues, Vince, I mean, I have to at least think about it, right? Like, I mean, someone just put in the chat, and it's a great note to put on, right? You are now in the points with Steve Angeli being your bag of quarterback where he's it is a 60-40 split in practice, right? Like, he's getting opportunities in practice to start to work in. We've seen him in a game a couple times now, but he's obviously just been relegated to hand the football off. It, it, at, at this point, if Drew doesn't improve and improve quickly, I'm going to give it a serious thought. I am, because was there anything in that football game that, I, I mean, if, if we're going to become a run-heavy team to the degree that we saw against, against, against Syracuse, I mean, yeah, yeah, well, you're right. And it's obviously not going to play out like that against Clemson, but right. if you are that team down the stretch where you're just that heavily relying on the run game, then why not play Steve Angeli, right? I mean, it's it's did honestly did Drew Pine do anything against against Syracuse that Steve Angeli couldn't have done? I mean, I mean that's just the point blank period to it, right? Like that's my thing. It's it's not like he's playing to a point that is going to not allow me to at least give Steve Angeli a serious thought. So if the, if it doesn't happen. If he doesn't start to show improvement, then I'm going to give it serious thought. I am. I, I'm not saying that I, you know he's on a short short leash. I'm not saying that I'll pull him after a couple of bad series. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I am constantly evaluating this position every day in practice that's during no, the that's game. Fair. That's that's where I am with it right now. That's right. That am. is that part is fair. Constantly evaluating the position, I am totally fine with. I need to see in practice that Steve Angeli and Drew Pine are like right here. You know what I mean? They they need to be neck and neck for me in a game to be like, let's go to 18. You know what I mean? I don't know what it looks like in practice. Is Drew here yeah. and Steve is here? Is it the other way around? I don't know. I don't know. If, you know, if Drew gets hurt, then Drew gets hurt and you got to go to Steve. I mean, that, that just is what it is. That's like every other quarterback room in the nation, right? And you can't. Yeah give them 50-50 split reps on the off chance that Drew gets hurt. I mean, you you can't – that's not how it works, right? You just can't do that. Right. If if he struggles against it's, Clemson, then yeah. what the next game is what, Navy? 
Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. Yep. You or I could suit up against Navy and probably win. <laughs> so if you're trying to give Steve Angeli confidence and you want that to be like his first start, I would consider it. I would. Now, you're going to get a lot of people really excited if he goes out there and shreds Navy's defense, which, again, is not exactly, you know, amazing. But at the same time, if he goes out and does that, then you've got a clear-cut, you know, quarterback controversy and everything else. So do you want to avoid that? Do you want that? You know, there, there's just so much that goes into this decision. But Yeah, it is. And, it, and but, honestly, it, you know, is this the week that you do it? I mean, Vince, I mean, I don't think it's no. fair to Steve Angeli and his no. first serious action at the face-off against Clemson, right? Like, that's not fair. But I mean, just to my point, man, is that Drew, I think Drew needs to understand that, like, you have to play better than this, man. Like, you just have to. I mean, yeah. it might be – this might be a situation where – and I'm not predicting this. I'm not hoping for this because I hope that Drew just turns it around and he plays me fantastic yeah, me next too. game. Like, I hope he finishes it out and he's, you know, the, the Drew Pye that we know he can be during the course of the season. But if he plays terribly against Clemson and you have Navy the next week, maybe that's the jelly opportunity, right? Like, maybe it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. All yeah. I know is that Drew Pye needs to play better. He can play better. And yeah. they'll need him against Clemson. They'll absolutely need him. Yeah, absolutely. And D-Rock, if I was to play, I could do this all day long. Triple option, baby. That's, that's it right option. there, baby. So, just hit the dive back every single time. You would never <laughs> absolutely. That's a handoff every single time. I can put it in Seven's kitchen. I can put it in Diggs' kitchen. I can do that all day long. But anyway. Vince, I, I know I know Brian's obviously not on this show, so he can't yell at me, right? But – I mean, after seeing Andrew Estime line up at fullback, can't you see a little triple option of the future, man? Can't you see it? Can you that. see it? You kidding me? <laughs> you put you put you put estimate fullback, okay? You put uh, Chris Tyree at tailback, and you run triple out of I formation. Yep. It's over, man. It's over. <laughs> I, I, I would want I would not want Drew running my quarterback though. I, I would want somebody a little more athletic at quarterback, but at the same time, like. Brandon Wimbush or Tyler Buckner or someone like that. Yeah, right, I'm right. Just saying that would be, uh, Tyler <laughs> Buckner. If if Buckner was still here, dude, I'd be upset if uh, I'm not still here, but still able to play. I would be upset right. if Tommy Reese didn't line up in I formation and run triple at least once. That would be awesome. That would be, awesome. be fantastic. Anyway, we digress. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Okay, let's go to the defense, Ryan. Uh, you kind of focused yep. on the defense. Let's kind of go front to back. Kind of how we always yep. do it. Uh, let's start with the defensive line. Your thoughts on the way the D line played? Let's let's uh, let's kind of split it up. Let's go inside, outside. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, when we're starting from the front back, so let's hyper focus on each of these positions. And I think you know, just kind of quantifying what everything means in this football game because we mentioned it, right? Like there was a lot of good moments in the first half. Second half was. Didn't love the game plan coming out of the break, but you had a couple advantageous, right. you know, opportunities, obviously, with the interception off the tip pass from Howard Cross, another interception that probably should have stu- stand by uh by Brandon Joseph, because I still have not seen I still haven't seen that phantom offsides call. But you know, we'll we'll talk about that at some point here. But defensive <laughs> line wise, I mean Vince, interior defensive line, I thought it I thought it may have been the best game they've played all season. I, they yeah. and they've been playing pretty well, you know. Like yes. I keep put, I keep talking about this on almost every show. We talk about defensive line. I think Howard Cross is still maybe the most underappreciated player on this football team. I mean, he's just been good all season, man. Like, is he a star? No. Is he a guy that 
like just destroys the box score with his impact. No, but what he does is so valuable, man. He does yeah. all the dirty work. He's got some reps where you're just like, that is some nice quickness, ability to affect the passer. And then he has the big tip pass in this game. And we know that he's, you know, still a couple weeks now coming off an injury and still getting back, you know, fully into the swing of things. And I, I don't even think he started this football game. I actually think Chris Smith was the first nose he guard was. on the field. He was, because I remember I, he was trailing uh, Joseph going in for the touchdown on that pick yep. six. Yeah, and and you know I'll get to Chris Smith in a second, but I you know I just really want to tip my hat to Howard Cross because I think he's played inspired and underrated football so far for Notre Dame, and you know, like I mentioned, Chris Smith started the football game and I thought he played really well. I, I'll be very honest, when they got Chris Smith to transfer from Harvard before the season, I expected him to be a five to ten snap a game guy and just give you some depth. Vince, he's a better football player than I thought he was. He what he is, man. He plays. Very powerfully at the point of attack. He's got strong hands, and he's he's the beef that you have right now because you obviously with Aiden Kayana getting hurt before the season and just the undersized defensive line that you have otherwise, that's the beef. He's your 300-plus pounder, and he's played a good football game. I'm pretty sure he had the first tackle of the game where it was you're just an inside zone, and he stoned the guard at the point of attack, was able to stack, shed, get off the block, and he made a really nice play. He had a nice game. Gabriel Rubio, I thought, played his best football game at Notre Dame so far, man. I thought he was disruptive, and I thought the snaps that he got, he was just consistently good across the board. There's been some highs and some lows with him so far. I thought it was a lot more like we were kind of talking about where Drew Pines got. I thought he was consistent. He still made his impact, had a tackle for loss in this game, but played a good game. And in a game where Jason Adam Malola was you know, just kind of quiet for the most part, it was the other guys, right? Like the Gabriel Rubios of the world, the Chris Smiths, the Howard Crosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the guys that made the impact in this football game. And I thought they did a really good job. Edge-wise, defensive end-wise, I thought it was a little more up and down. I did. You know, I thought that there were moments of really good stuff from Justin uh, Justin Adamalola. I thought, you know, he had one play where he had the drop in the coverage. And, he, I mean, he was stride for stride with, with Sean Tucker running a little, you know, just a little flat route. And then Isaiah Foskey got in the same situation, back-to-back reps, where he had to run with Chris uh, Sean. T- I'm just calling him Chris Tucker, great actor. Uh, Sean Tucker <laughs> on a couple wheel routes, and you're just watching this. You're just like, that is a six-five, two hundred sixty plus pound defensive end running stride for stride with one of the best running backs in yeah. all of college football. Like that's some freaky stuff, man. Like absolute freak show stuff. So there were some good moments. I thought Isaiah Foskey set a good edge for the most part during the day. I thought Nana Osafa Mensa did a solid job. I thought Riley Mills when he was at defensive end because he kind of cross-trained in between, and he played a really good football game all around, in my opinion. I thought he did a good job setting the edge. But I just thought it was way too up and down. You know, the, the only real success that Syracuse had on the ground, and even as, you know, just extending of the of the passing game, was when the defensive ends lost contain at times, right? Yes. I mean, and that the, happened. I think, it, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. You're fine because I think that it was the first drive of the game where Sean Sean Tucker is running a inside zone and he just cuts back and bends it all the way back outside out the back door, and it was just you know Justin Amalola just didn't set a firm enough edge, and yeah. Brandon Joseph didn't come up and run the alley appropriately enough, so they it's self-inflicted stuff like that, where it's just like, you just have to maintain your gap integrity in your proper position. So I thought edge was just a little bit up and down, but I mean, the, the big talking point and, and 
a position that I just think we need to start talking about more because they've exceeded my expectations for the year. This is an interior defensive line, man. Even after Jacob Lacey leads the team and if they're playing a you know a pivotal yeah. role early on in the year, the interior defensive linemen, the Chris Smiths, the Gabriel Rubios, the Howard Crosses, those guys are playing really good football on top of also having Jason Malola back healthy now. It, I just think that the interior defensive line was one of the underappreciated storylines of this game, and I thought they played fantastic. There was not a lot of success running up the middle against Notre Dame. It was all stuff that just had to bounce. Yeah. So hats off to the interior defensive line. I played. They, I thought they played an awesome, awesome football game. Yeah, I agree with you on the up and down of the edge players, right? There were times where they just kind of snuck inside a little bit too much. They didn't set that edge the way that they needed to, and they allowed some of those runs to bounce outside. And you just can't do that to a running back that is as good as Tucker is because he can bounce that out, and he's got the speed to, if you are not playing that correctly, he's going to outrun you to the sideline. And we saw that happen a couple of different times, right? Because not only did he outrun the edge guys that did not set the edge very well, but then you had some linebackers coming down and trying to almost artificially set the edge, and he was able to outrun those guys to the sideline, right? And if that edge is set properly, then that that linebacker coming down is taking a good angle. If it's not set, mm-hmm. set properly, then that angle is now wrong, and he's able to get around it, if that makes sense. So it's not the linebacker's fault. They're doing what they're supposed to do, but that edge isn't set properly. So now the angle is yep. forced to be wrong. And so, right. again, we saw some really good things. I thought there were a couple times where Isaiah Foskey set the edge really, really well. There were times where he attacked sure. the backfield when he saw his side of the line pull and go left, right? And when he was on the left-hand side, they pulled and went to the offense's left. He just put on the afterburners and just caught the running back from behind. Like, that right. takes some speed and athleticism, no doubt about it. So good things and then some iffy things. So I agree with you on the up and sure. down nature. Uh, now, is Howard Cross, like, does he get the Kurt Heinish award for you? Is like that? <laughs> is that kind of like the uh, the lunch pail? Let's use all the cliches that we have for like an undersized nose guard. He's a lot, he's a lot different than Kurt, right? Like Kurt was just <laughs> this like stupidly strong kind of undersized nose tackle. I think Howard's more talented than Kurt is, yeah, you know, he's obviously not, he doesn't have the frame to be as big as Kurt was at his peak at like 290 plus pounds, but Howard's got a little bit more, you know, shiftiness to him. He's got a little more quickness. Like, I just think that we don't give him enough credit because he's just kind of this six foot, 270 pound undersized nose tackle. But I just think he's a good football player, Vince. And I, I was reminded in the chat and completely forgot to mention him. Jordan Batello with two sacks, man. Kind yeah. of a guy that's been struggling to get playing time outside of special teams work over the last couple weeks. Another guy that, even though the previous week didn't play a ton of defense, I thought he made an impact, obviously, on the special teams side of the game. But this game led the team in sacks with two sacks. You know, one was kind of in, you know, garbage time, mop-up kind of duty or whatever. But it was nice to see him on the field. And if they can get, <clears throat> excuse me, a little more consistency out of him, if he's a guy that they can depend on, then you're talking about third downs being really interesting, right? Having him... Yeah with Isaiah Foskey, with Justin Adam Alola, with Jason Adam Alola, having different looks with the linebackers. You know, I thought that Maris did a good job blitzing this past game, which was nice to see. Having those that combination, Jordan could be a, a kind of a weapon, right? Like a designated yeah. pass rusher. But it's just been about the consistency with him. But again, he showed up in this football game and he, he looked good, man. Looked good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a beautiful transition by you on, you know, talking about some of those linebackers. And I thought that the linebacking core 
played very, very well, uh, especially in comparison to the way things have gone so far this season. It felt like they simplified things for the linebackers. Yeah. It didn't look like they had the paralysis by analysis uh, that they had going, especially in the first half. I thought the first half game plan from a linebacker standpoint was spot on. It was on point. It was, I mean, they absolutely were not only confusing Trader at quarterback, but they were containing him and he was a non-factor for this offense while he was still in the game. I, I was very impressed with the way the linebacker linebackers played. Because I remember last week when we did the show, Vince, I, I was, you know, on pop for the review, I was I was way too harsh on the linebackers, to, you know, on the post game show last sure. week. I thought they actually played a pretty good football game, man. Like there was a lot of good in what they did against UNLV. But I said on the show, like now we need to see it against a better level of competition, right? Like they sure. need to play a better brand of football against a better team. They did that this week. This was the best yeah. game the linebackers have played all year, in my opinion. I mean, J.D. Bertrand, this is the J.D. that we were hoping was going yes. to be the J.D. coming into the season, right? Like he was consistent, run fit, tackled all day. I didn't see him miss a tackle all game. Sniffed out that one screen pass that was in a big moment of the football game. There was yep. a lot of good out of JD, like the consistency. Absolutely. You know, you're not going to get the splash plays all the time with him. But what you got in this football game was consistency. And it was so nice to see. And I thought for the second straight game, Maris Loifel was playing a lot faster than what he had. The, the, you know, the previous X amount of games in the beginning of the season. They triggered him a lot, got him downhill. Let him be kind of the explosive player yeah. that he can be. And I mean, you yeah. saw him on that one pass that ended up getting complete early in the football game. It was kind of overthrown, throw into Sean Tucker. He came up and he smacked Tucker in the pass game, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's the Marist. Yeah. It's, that's the Marist that I fell in love with in 2020, man. I'm like, that's the guy that I've been yes. waiting for for a couple of years. And so I'm happy the staff has not given up on him because I think now that they're using him a little better, you know, kind of more of a free range Rover type. That's going to be able to get downhill and use the explosiveness. Thought he played a good football game. It wasn't again, box score wasn't stuffed by either guys, but when you saw the film and you just kind of look back, they were in the right spot. They were aggressive and they were helping to play good yeah. team defense. That's what you need from this linebacker unit. If the linebackers play this well for the rest of the year, you feel a lot better about Notre Dame's chance because that has been easily the weak link of this defense this year. By far, yeah. far and away, linebackers have been a bad unit for the majority of the year. This year, they play, uh, this game, I should say, they played good brand of football, man. So hats off to JD, hats off to Maris. I thought, you know, it could have been easy for those guys to go in the tank after having a couple tough football games, you know, in, in a row there. But they are playing, they played good football this past week. I thought it was a little up and down for Prince Kali from what I saw. You know, I think that Prince is an incredibly explosive and talented kid. It's just he's still he's still seeing the game at a kid that you would expect for a yeah. guy that hasn't played a ton of football. Like he's still learning and processing the game sure. at that type of level. But I thought that he still had some nice moments. Jack Kaiser, I thought, played a good football game overall. Nothing again, nothing that popped out, but he just was in the right spot. And you talk about right. that that second and one end around where he tracked the guy down oh. for a six yard loss. Like beautiful play, man. Beautiful yes. recognition of that. Play. Right. It was and way to take advantage of a poor play call in that spot, but you made him, yeah. you actually made them pay for it, which is what it, Notre Dame needs to do. 
with with the eye candy, especially when you have a Sean Tucker, Vince. Like if I'm yeah. that weak side linebacker and I see that 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 flow, there's gonna be some times where you get sucked in too far and that you can't right. make that play. He did a great job being disciplined and staying gap sound and be able to make that play, man. So I, again, I think the starting linebackers did well. I thought Prince flashed, but still inconsistent. Linebacker unit, just in general, I thought played a, had a good day of football. Really good play. Okay. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with the linebacker play. And and again, I mentioned this on the offensive side. I'm going to mention it on the defensive side. They're playing their best football going into one of the biggest games of the season. And they are going to need to play well against Clemson. You're going to, I don't care which quarterback it is that plays for Clemson. That really honestly doesn't matter to me. I think that DJ Uyongalale makes bad decisions. And you can force him into some bad decisions by putting pressure on him. If it's Cade Klubnik, he's a true freshman. Yes, he's a five-star true freshman, but he's still a true freshman. You can confuse the crap out of him and make him make some bad decisions. So whoever the quarterback is for Clemson, if these linebackers are playing the way that they are, to, if they play the way they did the last two weeks, specifically yesterday, then they're going to make things difficult for the Clemson quarterback, whoever it is. So they need to continue that stretch. They need... They have to keep going like this, man, because if they don't do that, then, you know, it's going to be a different ball game. But uh, I just feel like they're ascending at the right time. Yep. Because, I mean, because Clemson's going to want to play a downhill style offensively, right? Like you think about the Will Shipley's of the world, and they're not the – they have the Williams kid, the freshman receiver, the slot that's a pretty good player. But, like, there's still a lot of trees, right? Like everything's kind of condensed. They want to run the football – so linebackers are going to be big against Clemson, and it's great. It's a great, it's a great tr- uh, trend right now that Notre Dame's linebackers are playing their best football, heading into a couple very important games at a team next week that wants to run the football. That's what that's what Clemson yeah. wants to build uh, bread their uh, order their bread off of. Absolutely, they want to just feed Shipley all day long. I mean that that's how they want yeah. to play because they don't trust either quarterback to just sit back. I mean they they were very spoiled by having yes. Trevor Lawrence, uh, let's oh, be yeah. honest. And they they don't have that right now. And, you know, maybe Cade Klubnik ends up being that kid at some point. He's not that kid now. And so, no. you're, you know, they're, they're spo- they were spoiled. And they're going mm-hmm. to have to lean on the run game. But that's, that's all for next week. So, secondary play, right? There was some glaring misses. Obviously, Ben Morrison got, got beat uh, once or twice. I think some yep. of that was scheme, but I think some of it was on him as well. I, I sure Brandon Joseph. I mean, you mentioned it in your text to me. He played his best game of the year, no doubt about it. But I'll let you kind of walk through the secondary. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a mixed bag the, as far as the pass coverage perspective. First half, I thought Notre Dame let their defensive backs be very aggressive, and I think that that paid off in a lot of instances. Right, like Syracuse, Aronde gets in the third or uh, the second. Excuse me is a really talented wide receiver, but they don't have a sure. ton of speed at wide receiver. They have some right. size. So I like the fact that Notre Dame came out in the first half and they said, we're going to press these guys. We're going to be physical with them. I thought that was a great idea. And mm-hmm. I think that they really had a lot of good moments. You know, there was a, obviously the first drive for Syracuse. Benjamin Morrison gets stemmed outside and then he kind of gives up inside, inside leverage and it's a touchdown and you're just kind of like, Oh, come on, Ben, like you need to right. be more right. understanding of where your help is on that play. You don't have any, right? Like you don't yeah, have yeah, any exactly. Help. So you, you got to create help, force him to the sidelines, bigger wide receiver. Like that's what you need to do. Right. So yeah. a, a mental mistake by a freshman corner. And then he gets caught being a little too handsy on the next drive. 
But then there's a play they try to hit him downfield where it should have been an offensive pass interference call, if we're being completely honest. And for the rest of the day, I thought ben, Benjamin Morrison, he really reacted and he he grew during that football Absolutely. game. There was a lot of iffy early. As a corner, you need to have a short memory, and I think he had a short memory in this football game. Yeah. He was up for the challenge throughout the majority of the football game after a rough start. Cam Hart, Vince, I mean, he missed the tackle on that first drive on that third and six or whatever it was off of that motion. But I thought he played a fantastic football game from a coverage perspective, man. He was sticky. The team did not test him almost at all. When they did, he squatted on a route and almost intercepted the football. Oh, Probably should have had an interception. <laughs> yes. He played he played a really good football game. I thought for the majority, there were a couple, you know, a couple bad coverage plays, but I thought Tariq Bracey did a tremendous job for the most part playing against Aronde Gatson in the slot. And even though he's a 5'10 corner going against a 6'5 wide receiver, yeah. big, big discrepancy there. But I thought he held his own, did a really good job. And, you know, the corners for Mahole, I thought, played well. The second half, I thought it wasn't as much team. Uh, it wasn't as much a player problem as it was a scheme problem. I thought they got yes. very conservative in the second half, played a lot of off coverage, played a lot more zone. Yeah. And it just wasn't what was, be, you know, what was be helping you and making you successful was being aggressive. And they just yeah. turned it off in the second half for whatever reason. Yeah. So I don't hold that against the players as much. I think it's a bad decision from the coaching staff coming out of the break. But at the end of the day, it didn't hurt them in the long run. I think it just gave up some easy plays. You know, when the right. Carlos Del Rio Wilson kid came in, I felt that he just had some easy windows. And, you know, I give agree. that kid credit, though. He's got a strong arm and he was hitting some windows, but I think Notre Dame was making it easier on him than it should have been at that point. Yes. So that's, you know, corners up and down, safeties, you said it already. Brandon Joseph's best game by far. You know, yeah. he had obviously the pick six to start the football game. He had the other interception in the end zone that was called, you know, in offsides, which I still don't know where that offsides came from, but a great rangy play working from depth. Almost had another interception, got his hands on another football in this football game. So I mean, he forced a couple turnovers. He stuck Sean Tucker in the run game on a pretty important play in the second half as well. Best game Brand Joseph has played as a part of the Notre Dame football team by and large. Yes. After him, though, mm-hmm. I thought the safety position was very underwhelming. I did. I mean, I, I'll say like this. Houston it. Griffith and Xavier Watts, I thought, were fine. Didn't make a ton of plays, weren't out of position, but they were fine right? You can always get better than what they, you know, Xavier Watts can play a higher brand of football than what he showed. Houston Griffith can make more plays if he's being a little more advantageous and a little more aggressive. So I feel like it was just kind of nonchalant, but I mean, honestly, and and I'm not going to, I don't want to throw shade at the kid because I think that he played well early on in the season, but I thought DJ Brown was the weak link of the defense in this football game. I really did, man. Like you think about the missed tackle that they had on that third and eight on that inside run, which was just so frustrating. They hit, I believe it was Ronda Gatson in the second half for a long play over the middle of the field where he was playing safety. And it was almost a robber coverage. He jumped the route, missed time, this jump, missed the football, went for a big gain. I really thought DJ played a bad football game. I did. So for me, Safety position wise, Brandon Joseph is emerging as a star. He needs to continue that progression. But mm-hmm. the other safety position, whoever it is, Xavier Watts, Howard Griffith, or Howard Griffith, Houston Griffith, or DJ or DJ Brown, whoever that guy is, Ramon Henderson, if you know, as he's kind of you know been a little banged up, whoever that guy is, 
they need a second and third safety, I think, to really take a yeah. step up. Because right yeah. now it's it's one good football player and a bunch of just average right now. They need a a, a Batman to a uh, or Robin to to Brandon Joseph's Batman right now. I don't think that there's a second safety playing at a high level. There's talent there though, which gives me hope that it can emerge. But right now, Brandon Joseph's playing really good football. But I think the rest of the position just needs to play a little at a higher impact level than they are right now, especially in this game. Yeah, I, I feel like the other safeties are just so up and down, right? It, it seems like it's a different guy every week who is the Robin to the Batman, and but they're not even playing at Robin level. That's the problem. And so somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to break away, whether it's Xavier Watts, whether it's Griffith, whether it's Brown, whoever, I don't care. Henderson, obviously, is the candidate as well. Somebody needs to step up and just take a stranglehold on that other safety position. It's just not happening. Because there's been times where it's like, oh man, Ramon Henderson's playing really well. Oh man, Xavier Watts is playing pretty well. Oh man, you know, DJ Brown played, you know, this pretty well. It's it's just not consistent and it's not at a high enough level overall. And so I, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, Brandon Joseph hasn't played fantastic this year, but now he's starting to come on. And I think part of that was a little bit of injury. I hope. And I hope that yesterday is an indication that he is who he is now going to be the rest of the year because they're going to need him. Yep. They're going to need him to force some turnovers and play well. Well, and, and Vince, this is this is what he was at Northwestern. Like, this is why I was such a big fan of him, man. He was just a playmaker. I mean, he had nine interceptions in two years for a reason, right? Like, he's got right, great instincts, exactly. good ball skills. It's been weird to your point, right? He played really well against Ohio State, and then you just kind of didn't see him for a few weeks, right? Like it's just kind of like he was just MIA. Yes. And with that, with him missing that game with an injury, I'm going to assume deductive skills, right? Common sense. He's probably dealing with something. He probably yeah. is, but he looked healthy. And the yeah. one thing I will also say about Brandon Joseph is watching just the pregame warmups and watching these guys get ready. That's the guy that brings the juice. Like he's dancing, getting everybody ready. Like that's the guy. And they yeah. need him, especially moving forward here. And they got a big performance against, performance against him in Syracuse. There's something about him that's infectious. There's something about him that's confident. And it just exudes off of him when he's playing well. I think the defense kind of follows suit. I think yep. he's the he's the leader that I think this defense needs. I really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that for sure. So, look, overall, I think there was a lot of good to take out of this game. Even on the rewatch for me and for Ryan, I think there was a lot of good to take out of this game. Obviously, they did not play a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but they dominated Syracuse. They dominated them on both sides of the ball. And I would say overall, I I would love it if they would just keep their foot on the gas a little bit longer defensively. I felt like yep. they took their foot off the gas at halftime and they made a backup quarterback look better than they needed to. If they would have kept the same mm-hmm. game plan in the second half that they had in the first half, I don't think the kid looks as good as he did. I really don't. And, yep. you know, Brian was stressing how good this kid is and he was a five star and he was all these things. <laughs> I get it, man. But he's he, the kid they had in first is pretty darn good too. And Notre Dame made him a non factor. He was 35 yards in the first half, right? So five of uh, 12, did, 35 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was beautiful. This beautiful. They forced the action on the offense, which I thought was fantastic. So I just want to see that for a full game. I mean, just let them have it. They're a ranked team. You're not, you're the underdog. Just keep going. Just keep going. So they're going to have to play a full 60 minutes uh, next Saturday. No doubt about that. 
I think they're all trending in the right direction. I think overall, if you get Drew Pine, just to be Drew Pine. If Drew Pine is Drew Pine, I think you got a great shot at uh, shocking some people next week. But we will see. Yeah, I mean, I would say this, Vince. Kind of my last thought is you just played a Syracuse team that outplayed Clemson for the majority of the football game. Should have won that game. Should have won that game. And either way, you end up losing six points to the number five team in the country. Your only loss on the season. Notre Dame boat raced them, man. Like they they, they won forty two to uh, forty one to twenty four. And they, I mean, if you saw that game, man, it wasn't even close. Like Notre no. Dame, Notre Dame did not play a ver- like they did not play near to their potential, and they were the clear best team on that field. Like it was yes. no question mark during that football game. So again. Need to play cleaner, need to play yes. better at certain spots, need to play more consistent, no doubt. But the fact that Notre Dame didn't even play their best game, in my opinion, and still put out that type of performance, it's been really easy to be pessimistic. But I think that you ha- you have to come out of this game feeling optimistic for what the coaching staff is doing because they flipped the switch in this game. A, a week after playing UNLV poorly and two weeks after losing to Stanford, you come back and you beat the number 16 team on the road. I think it's it speaks volumes for what the coaches are trying to build. I give them yep. credit for this one, obviously, as well. Yep, no doubt about it. So good win for Notre Dame. Obviously, they're 2-1 and one against ranked teams this year. They're going to have, what, probably two more opportunities against ranked teams, one at home, one on the road. So, I mean, technically, you've got an opportunity to go 4-1 and one against ranked teams, and you still may not even be ranked at the end of the season. So, I would say that that is a pretty decent resume for Notre Dame moving forward. Uh, obviously, the season has not gone the way we all wanted it to go. It has been disappointing in many ways, but I think we saw a glimmer, a, a a light at the end of the tunnel yesterday. And if they can continue to build on that, I think this is going to be a real fun team to follow over the next few weeks. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Of course, everybody out there, make sure that you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell and share with your family and friends. We would all very much appreciate that. We do have a couple. I forgot about this. Oh boy. Almost forgot about a couple <laughs> super chats that we had. I apologize. So let's run into those here real quick. John a one has one. He says, will pine ever attack 10 to 20 yards outside the hashes? I don't think with a high volume, John, like, I mean, he definitely needs to do it more. I think you saw a couple, especially to Deion Colsey, where there are deep comebacks outside the numbers, which was nice to see. But that's just not Drew's game. You know, he's not a big arm quarterback working outside the numbers at that type of depth. That's where you. That's where arm strength really comes in to the fold, right? So, I mm-hmm. and for me, Vince, I think he can do it more. I think you saw glimpses of it during this football game, but I don't think that's ever going to be a strength of Drew Pine. I don't. Yeah, uh, completely agree. He can make those throws, but that does that. That's not how you're going to build your game plan. Uh, that's yeah. That would not be. That would be silly. JP, thanks for the super chat. Hey guys, good show. What are your grades for Tommy Reese and Drew Pine? Mine are Tommy Reese B and Drew Pine C minus. If Clemson loads the box and Notre Dame can't run, can Drew Pine win the game? Yeah, I, I guess for me, Vince, I, I actually liked a lot of what Tommy did. You know, I, I thought too. first half Tommy was creative. He mixed and matched. You know, a lot of different personnel groups. I thought was good. Yeah. Second half, you know, he got into the you know, monotonous kind of you know shut. You know, just going to run the ball and get out of this football game type of thing. So it's not going to get an A for me, right? But I, I no. think that I think a B is fair. JP, I would say I might even go B plus. Like I think that he did a lot of good. This was one of the better games that he's called this year. I thought that he did 
a good job in this football game. So I give Tommy some credit. I think he did a, a nice job. So I give him a B or a B plus. Drew Pine, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be mean, but like a B plus. Yeah, like C- I mean, no, it wasn't C- good, man. Too high. C- minus yeah, C minus is too high. high. It, it, it was, I mean, he won the football game, so I'm not going to give him an F, but he needs to be a lot better. It was not yep. nearly good enough, this game. Yep, absolutely. It's a D or D plus for Drew Pine, and he would give himself probably that grade as well, if not worse. I mean, he knows what he did, and he knows what the film says, and he knows how he felt. There, they, they, there was a shot of him after the game where he's talking to the other team, and he's just like running his hand through his hair like this. I mean, that was that's a sign of relief because you know you didn't play well, and your team still dominated their other that other team. He knows how he played, so I, I think that's accurate. Tommy Reese is a B, but I think uh, Drew Pine is probably lower than that, probably a D or D plus, a little lower, yeah, yeah. And then if Clemson loads the box. And then Notre Dame can't run. First of all, they have to be able to run a little bit. I mean, yes. you have to be able to run a little bit. Uh, can Drew Pine win the game? I do not want to put the game on Drew Pine's shoulders. Can he yeah. make throws that he hasn't been making, like completing them, not one hopping them or throwing them high? Yes, he can do that. But I'm mm-hmm. not. I, you cannot put the whole game on his shoulders. He needs play action. He needs the threat of a run game in order to be successful as a quarterback. And I mean, that's most good quarterbacks, right? Like, I mean, there's absolutely very few, there's very few quarterbacks that can just completely carry a football team and with no run game and not much help. Right. Cause right. that's just a very difficult task. I'll, I mean, I'll say this, if JP, like my honest opinion is if you are not being able to run the football and you are just a designated drop back team and that's all you have with Drew, you're not going to win the football game. against Clemson. No. You're not like you no. need to do the things around him and be able to make those those plays right like he's a player that when things are going well he can keep things on schedule he can do well in his role but he's not going to be a guy that you're just going to drop back 40 times in a football game and ask you to win the game he could be a part of the victory but he's not the only reason that you're going to win the game he's not driving the bus okay he he can be towards the front with the coaches but he's not driving so uh but again that doesn't make him a poor quarterback that just he's not trevor lawrence i mean you know that's (laughs) it's it's like ninety eight percent of quarterbacks, Vince. Like right. they need Absolutely. everything good around them to work. You know, yes. like there's very few Andrew Lux, Trevor Lawrence's of the world. That's why those guys go first overall, right? Like right. it just doesn't happen a ton. Doesn't happen yes. a ton. Absolutely correct. Uh, we we have one that's not a super chat, but I did want to answer this one real quick. It just caught my eye from Mark. He says, "Was it a risk to burn the second of four red shirt games just to hand off?" He's talking about uh, Angeli. I don't I don't think name, so. Name two more games that he's going to play in for sure. I mean, if, right. if Drew Pine gets hurt, right? And he's playing yeah. for the rest of the season, and it doesn't matter about a red shirt, right? Right. If he's going to be playing in a blowout situation, you're talking maybe Boston College, you're talking maybe Navy, and that's it. There's four. And, so Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, Vince, like next year, we don't know what's going to happen, right? You have right. Tyler coming back from, from injury, hopefully healthy. You have Drew Pine possibly back for another year. You might have a transfer quarterback in. You might have another 2023 quarterback in. There's no guarantee that Drew that Steve Angeli's the second quarterback next year. So maybe he's redshirt yeah. happens next year instead of yeah. this year. Like there's good a point. lot of things that could happen. A lot of That's things. That's actually could a really good point. I never even thought about that. That's a really good point. And then our final super chat is from Allen. Thank you very much. He says, "What should happen to the Michigan State players?" <laughs> man that was that was a tough scene man that was a tough scene i need more information i will say that (laughs) i i I hate to go off of twitter well you're you're the disciplinarian at your school now right so this is your thing (laughs) 
And I will say that the vast majority of my job is investigating, talking yeah. to witnesses and, you know, looking at cameras and videos and social media, all of those things, right? If mm. I have anything to do with this, I would be doing all of those things. I'm talking to witnesses. Right. I will tell you this, and it's something I was very disappointed in. One of the videos that I saw showed coaches or team personnel or whatever, guys that were not in uniform, running the opposite direction. Like, where are the adults in the room? I realize that all these football players are 18 and over and they're all technically adults, but where are the adults that are like trying to stop this from occurring? I have an issue with that as well. But at the same time, I don't have all the information. So I yeah. I hesitate to speak out as to what a punishment should be, et cetera. I, I agree. I agree with that standpoint because I mean, it was weird, Vince. Like the thing it finally was. had broken up or like, the, well, cause it was one person versus like 15 dudes. Yes. It was so weird. And there was nobody breaking it, it up. It was all like, yeah. All of a sudden they but just then, let him go. But the Michigan player then gets out of the crowd and then he starts going the other way. And then you see a couple coaches and I'm like, what was, were, were they just bystanders? Like, I don't understand what they were right. doing there, man. Like, I don't get it, but I, I agree with you. Like, there needs to be like they need to evaluate the situation. They need to investigate the situation. I need to talk to Absolutely. all the the grownups in the room. To your point, I need to talk to all the players in the room. And I mean, just a really bad look for Michigan State, though. Either it way, is. I mean, because I, I don't know who started it. I don't know all that right. stuff. But all I know is you just got your butt kicked in the football game, and that's the fight you have after a game after you just lost by twenty two points. Like, just right. a bad look, and it's an unfortunate situation. But to your point, I need to do a lot more homework on it. I need to talk Absolutely. to those gentlemen that were involved. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of context to this situation. Yep, no doubt about it. We got one final super chat, and I don't I don't even know how to explain uh, respond to this because I don't know what happened. But Tyler Evans says Lane Kiffin taking shots after the game about Jimbo. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't hear any. Sh- I, I didn't hear the press conference or anything, Tyler. So I don't know exactly what he said. I do know that Lane was. He was a little angsty in this football game. It's I don't know if you saw that, but like there's there's a video circulating where he's like um he's yelling at a Texas player. A&M player about yeah. like a faking an injury or something. I'm like, that. what the heck is happening, man? Like he's cursing. I'm like, oh. And we know we know Lane has his history as a little bit yeah. of a hothead and all that type of stuff. So another situation where I, I mean, Tyler, I, I did not hear his comments. I don't know exactly what he said, but this is the thing with Lane, man. Is Lane's gotten a lot better with this, but Lane's. He's got that hot-headedness to him. He's, yes, he he always has. He always I have, has. I have one message for Lane. You're one week too late, my friend. You should have taken care of business last week, okay? You let me down. Congratulations me on down the win against well. But you let me down yeah. last week, man. Killing yes, me. He did. Yes, Ladarius, he did. his boys aren't going to let me down next week. So <laughs> I hope that's the case. All right. So we got through all the Super Chats. So, Ryan, thank you for joining me tonight. Really appreciate it. I love uh, – we don't get to do shows that often together. So I, I enjoy doing this, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. All right. So that is going to do it. Remember to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and share with your family and friends. Really appreciate everybody joining us on a Sunday night. We will be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock show, I believe. Yes, tomorrow, 1 o'clock? Yes, yes, 1 o'clock. Okay. Sorry. Just yeah, making yeah, sure. So no. Nope, and then uh, <laughs> there will be no evening show because it's Halloween. And we all have youngins and we will be doing Halloweenish things. And so there will be no evening show. There will be no um, Ivy Nation sports talk. But as a special treat for everybody out there, we are going to do a three-way Ivy Nation sports talk on Tuesday night. It's going to be me, Sean, and Jesse, all three of us doing the show together on Tuesday night. 
And then, of course, the one o'clock show will also be there, too. So thank you, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful week. And happy Halloween to all of the ghouls and goblins out there. We will see you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.